This podcast contains possible spoilers about comic books and adaptations. You've been warned. Hey, Chris. Uh, would you want to live forever? No, no way. No, that's a long time. Yeah, that's what forever means. Although, think about the perks. Tons of frequent flyer miles, lots of Starbucks rewards. You could learn any language, fighting style, how to cook. Yeah, you could read any comic book ever made. I would be able to watch every single episode of One Piece. Oh, don't kid yourself, Lance. Yeah, forever isn't enough time. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today we're talking about The Old Guard. The Old Guard is a five-issue miniseries created by writer Greg Rucca and artist Leandro Fernandez, colorist Daniela Miwa, and letterer Jody Wynn, and published by Image Comics in 2017. The premise centers around a group of four veteran soldiers turned mercenaries that are essentially immortal. If they get hurt or killed, they come back to life and heal. While it is possible for them to die, they don't know when or how that could happen. They are extremely close and keep a low profile and don't have many other connections to avoid capture and heartbreak. Things change when someone finds out their secret and wants to capture their secret to immortality. And when a new immortal appears in their life, Things are more uncertain than ever. Now, we're doing The Old Guard because it recently got some notoriety because Netflix did a movie. We're definitely going to talk about that later in the issue. And we thought that would be kind of fun to highlight a graphic novel that maybe some people didn't read the graphic novel, but they've seen the movie. So we're going to definitely talk about the comic versus the movie a little bit later, Lance. But for now, how did this image issues of immortality go from idea to illustration? For that, we go into the archives. The Old Guard was co-created by writer Greg Rucca and illustrator Leandro Fernandez. Rucca started his comic book obsession at the early age of five. He stumbled upon a digest-sized reprint of The Incredible Hulk by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby at a marketplace in Salinas, California, and convinced his mom to buy it. Not going to lie, if I saw that, Now, I would still want somebody to buy it for me. Oh, heck yeah. Discovering this new medium imprinted on him a desire to begin writing. Turns out he was actually pretty good at it. At age 10, he won a county-wide short story contest. After graduating from Vassar College with a degree in English, he went on to earn his master's in fine arts from the University of Southern California. Fun fact, his biggest influence is none other than English author Douglas Adams, who you might know as the writer for The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. His career in writing would start with a novel series centered around the protagonist Atticus Kodiak, a professional bodyguard which debuted in 1966. It's a great name. Right. Atticus Kodiak. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I want to read those books just based off of that. I know, just based on that. (laughs) Rucka would make his comic book debut in 1998 with Whiteout, published by Oni Press, which got a lot of claim and a few Eisner awards. I love, mm-hmm. yeah, I love Whiteout. Uh, it's it's so good. Yeah, I, I haven't read it, but after after seeing all the acclaim for it, I definitely want to read it now. He landed a major job at DC Comics in the late 90s, where he would work on titles including Batman, Detective Comics, The Adventures of Superman, and pretty much every other title related to the the main trinity of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. While working for DC in the early 2000s, he would also work for Marvel, writing Wolverine, Daredevil, and Elektra. In 2007, he released a creator-owned series called The Queen and Country, which will come in to play later on. He would co-write the weekly series 52 alongside Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, and Mark Wade who would all be credited as co-creators for Kate Kane, a.k.a. Batwoman, 
who is pretty much in the limelight now because she has her own television show. Now, switching gears really quick, we're going to focus on Leandro Fernandez, who was an Argentinian comic book artist with a wide variety of works from various publishers, including Marvel, Image, and Vertigo. His earliest works start in 98 at Marvel on X-Factor, What If, and Maverick. He penciled and inked Spider-Man's Tangled Web for two issues alongside writer Daniel Way in 2002. And Daniel Way is one of my, one of those art writers that I, I really enjoy. He, he wrote a, a Venom run, which pretty much turned Venom into John Carpenter's The Thing. So that was, that's a really fun run to read if you haven't. Fernandez's other works include The Incredible Hulk, Wolverine, Punisher Max, Deadpool and Cable, New Mutants, Mad Max, and a title you might recall, Queen and Country. That's right. The series created by none other than Greg Rucka in 2002, they teamed up for that book. They would once again meet up to create The Old Guard, issue one, which released on February 22nd, 2017. I think Queen and Country is, is really fun, too. That would be another one I want to revisit because I've only read a little bit of it, and I've heard good things about that as well. If we can talk just a little bit about the artwork before going into the comic, because th this one, I think Fernandez's style is, is a little... It, it took me a while to get into it, and, and I it's not my favorite. I think it's it's kind of hit and miss for some people. There's some things I really like about it. It's got that kind of a Tim sale from long Halloween kind mm -hmm. of style, yeah. like a lot of heavy blacks. Uh, it's got a definite Mike Mignola kind of influence. I'm, I'm talking very art nerdy right now. It's, it's a very like a, a simplistic style. Yeah. Super thin line weights, not a lot of hatching. It's just like heavy shadows, um, you know, it, kind it, of stark, Mm -hmm. stark imagery lots of negative space um but it's also the the, the character design is kind of inconsistent like on one hand you'll have a character that has like a huge nose that's very exaggerated <laughs> and then you have this you know female character who's like got this beautiful face and a very tiny nose and it's like in it's like his own artwork kind of contradicts itself in its own world and and you know, I know it's it's a it's a choice and it's a style and everything. And, and sometimes it doesn't bother me, but every once in a while it's be like, whoa, this guy's face is weird. It's contorted and it's like Yeah. They they all are from very different well, one, they're from different time periods, and then two from very different places in the world. So it makes sense that their bone structure is a little different, but a hundred percent like one of the guys' nose is like half the size of his face. I'm I'm being a little art picky, you know, and, and oh, I'm okay. fine with somebody having a a, an out there style, but when it's not consistent, you know, it's like, if you're going to go, if you're going to go goofy, you go a little goofy. And if, and if you're going to be, you know, stylistic and, and like Bruce, Tim kind of animated, then, then that's fine too. But, but you can't kind of go both ways. So that, that's the only thing that I had a little bit of a problem with, but otherwise I think there was a lot of things that was, that would, that were done really well. And, and, um, the action sequences were a lot of fun and, and I love the mood of the whole thing from an art standpoint. I think the coloring, um, was, was done really well to, to enhance that. Um, especially with like flashbacks and stuff. I think, I think they did a really good job. It's not my favorite. And I think it might bother some people just right from the get go, but that's why I wanted to mention that. Cause it's, it's not one I would rush out and be like, Oh, I got to have this for the art. Yeah. Um, but, it, it definitely works with the story. So absolutely. It, anyway. it grew on me. The more I read it, the style grew on me. Same. It, it kind of in the beginning, it reminded me a little bit of uh, league of extraordinary gentlemen, the original series and that kind of style. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but it, uh, there, there are times I, I think in the first couple issues where it, it was hard for me to follow the, like the visual story they were trying to portray just because they're showing all of these flashbacks. And so there's a lot of, yeah. with the fact that you mentioned it before, there's a lot of that negative space and thin line work. So it was hard to tell where certain things were supposed to be cut and separated. 
but I think mm-hmm. the more the more you read it, the more you get into okay, so this is what he's going for in this area, and then you're able to understand it a little bit better. But in the beginning, my my eyes were kind of darting all over the place, and I couldn't I couldn't follow along. Yeah, but yeah, and and, and that's a good point because like it, it, it's from a again you know with the character design of Andy, who in the comic has is kind of. Uh, you know, she's she has long black hair. It's sometimes in a ponytail. It's not necessarily the most unique. And then you have Niall, uh, who has the shorter haircut. And I find it interesting in the movie that that actually kind of switches like Niall yeah. has longer mm-hmm. hair dreads. And and then Charlie's Throne has this like shorter kind of cool action bob, you know, <laughs> and, um, and I think that's more stylistic. Uh, that's more successful whether than how they did it in the comic. It's It's hard to tell who you're looking at in the first issue. And after you read the comic, the first couple issues, you're like, Oh, now I recognize who these people are. But at first it's kind of hard to tell who they are. There wasn't really like a cool page where they have like shots of each of the characters and the team that you, that you get to know who they are. Um, where I think they did that in the movie a lot more successfully. Mm -hmm. I'm getting ahead of myself. We shouldn't be talking about the movie. (laughs) I'm talking about the movie. We'll come back. Let's talk about the comic first. So let, let's go through some of this stuff. That's, I just wanted to mention that about the art. Okay, so uh, let's go through the uh, names and aliases of the main characters of the comic. First of all, our kind of main character, our main protagonist or anti-hero in some cases. Good luck is, with her real uh, name. Andy, Andy, who is Andromanchi of Scythia. That's what I'm going to go with. Perfect. And uh, her start of immortality was in central Eurasia, approximately 4700 BC. Jeez. I had a lot of help from different websites here with this information. The second two characters we're going to kind of put together because they started about the same time, which is Nikki and Joe. Nikki is otherwise known as Nicola of Genoa. And uh, Joe is known as Yusuf ibn Ibrahim ibn Muhammad ibn al-Qayyasani called al Tayab, or just referred to as Joe. <laughs> Let's just go with um, Joe. What? Yeah. <laughs> and I probably messed some of that up, but uh, the, the the fun thing about their story is that they both realized they were immortal during the Crusades. They killed each other multiple times until they eventually realized like, hey, let's just stop, stop the foreplay and, and, and go on with each other. <laughs> and start the foreplay. Because <laughs> they are in a um, relationship. And, yeah, they are in a uh, in a, in a gay relationship, and 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 we'll talk about the, that and the importance of that a lot uh, a little bit later. Next, we have Booker, whose name is Sebastian Lelivre, and he is a French man. Uh, his start of immortality is in Russia, eighteen twelve. He was a member of the Napoleonic army during their march into Russia. He actually tried to desert, and he was hung and killed. And then he, after three days, you know, played dead for a while and then kind of woke up and ate some ravens and, and uh, escaped. Perfect. So plan. he was the youngest member of the team until Niall Freeman, who it kind of shows her first death in the first issue. And her start of immortality is a modern day Afghanistan. She is a member of the U.S. Army in Afghanistan, and she gets killed on assignment of like, trying to hunt down um, some su- supposed terrorists. And, and and that sort of opens up and kicks off the story in, in some ways of this new member of the of the old guard or of, of, of people that are immortal, rather, because she's not really a member of the old guard uh, yet. But um, that, that's what kind of kicks in uh, the storyline. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the really cool things about this, this group in general is when there is a new immortal that's found out, the others dream about them until they find them and then those dreams stop. But I I think it's really interesting that they don't all have the same dream. They get different pieces. Mm -hmm. And so they have to talk to one another to figure out the whole picture and to be able to find the other immortal. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was a really cool kind of like shared power um, that, that they had, which, which we'll get to with powers. Um, so with, as far as costumes in the comic, uh, it's a lot of casual, I put casual tactical battle gear. So they're not really in like full armor. They're also not just like 
wearing their, you know, you know, long sleeve shirt and pants or whatever, but it's, it's, you know, they're, they're wearing stuff that they can go in and they're, they're mercenaries. So they have like tactical chic vests. Yeah. Tactical chic. They're, they're wearing vests. They're wearing, you know, they're, they're, you know, kind of slick, uh, gear that they need to wear. Um, but, but enough, I think because the fact that they're immortal and they know that they, you know, wearing a helmet or something like that is, is, not really going to do much. They're, they're just kind of going in without helmets and, and face masks and stuff like that. Cause also that would make for a pretty boring comic. If everybody's wearing a, <laughs> ironically, it would make for a boring comic in this sense, even though there are comics where characters wear masks in this case, it's more visually um, satisfying to see these immortals get shot in the face. <laughs> that sounds, you know That's what I mean? Awful. Like, but I know it true. sounds terrible, but like from a from a storytelling standpoint, I can see why they chose not to do that, like yeah. not to cover them up. You know, yeah. I mean, the, I don't know. I could be argued either way. No, I think I think the comic and the movie use that to their advantage because a big part of showing off what they are is the, the amount of damage they take and get right back up. So I think yeah. you're right as as brutally dark as you just described it yes it it uh it makes sense yeah and and we should say you know we're going to talk about some spoilers in this issue but we should also say that the the contents of the movie this is an r-rated movie and this is a mature comic there are uh depictions of extreme violence uh uh you know decapitation death dismemberment um uh, sex drugs i mean all uh, this is a mature comic uh for sure so just be be you know be aware of that <laughs> parents if you're listening to this and your kids are like i want to read the old guard or i'm gonna watch this on netflix it's like it's a superhero movie but this is a this is a mature superhero movie for sure uh, as far as their job um they are essentially mercenaries for hire and they have been for a long time and sometimes soldiers in in previous parts of their life uh, the settings of the comic takes place all over the place from South Sudan, Afghanistan, France, England, and in flashbacks, various locations uh, all over the world. Uh, now, as far as their powers, you know, all of them kind of have, uh, in terms of the old guard, they all kind of have the same powers. They're very, it's very rare to have this immortality gift. There's only five of them depicted in the comics, although it's mentioned that there have been some other immortals um, in the past that they uh, that they kind of talk about in flashbacks. They connect with each other through each other's dreams, like you said, Lance, with um, being able to sense when one of them is apart or if there's a new one that pops up on the grid. Um, they have healing powers and that also speeds up with each subsequent death. So the first one, it takes longer for them to come back to life and to heal. But as they get older and as they you know have a longer life, the, the death and the healing actually speeds up. So um, you can get, you know, riddled with bullets. And then a couple minutes later, all of them start spitting out Wolverine style and yeah. they come back to life. Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> or if it's like a severe injury, it might take a little bit longer. That's like yeah. The like the, there's, there's a, there's a head wound when the, the flash grenade goes off or not a flash grenade, an actual grenade <laughs> goes off in somebody's lap. And then like the, per, the guy's, head starts kind of growing back. I won't spoil it by saying who it is, but, uh, you know, his, his head and his brains just start kind of growing back, which is interesting. It's a cool scene. Cause each panel, it's like a little bit more, a little bit more. <laughs> um, I would argue that the hair wouldn't grow back that fast, but you know, whatever. You, th- you think uh, the hair would be the slow thing to grow back? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it, at least like with Deadpool, when that does that, like it acknowledges, this is going to take a while for, you know, the arm to grow back or something like it will grow back, but some things will take longer. Got it. Um, and I kind of I kind of like that with, you know, anyway, affiliations that the old guard have had in history. They've been members of various armies throughout history, siding with such forces as Napoleon's army, the Christian and Muslims in the Crusades, the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, on either side. And amongst the four established veterans in almost every major conflict in history. Uh, one of them even says sometimes they haven't been on the right side. <laughs> so it depends on the century and depends on the war. Um, there have been, uh, there are several supporting characters 
there's two characters that are only mentioned in flashbacks in the first arc, at least. Uh, one of them is named Noriko, and she is one of the immortals and a former partner slash lover of Andy. Um, in the comics, she was washed overboard in a storm and apparently is dead because they haven't seen or heard from her at all. Now, it should be noted that um, in if the second arc, the second storyline, uh, she actually has been shown to come back and uh, she is the main uh, antagonist in that second storyline. Um, and we'll get to her a little bit later when we talk about the movie, because there's a cool thing that they do that's different from the comic. Yes, and I, I, character. I prefer the movie with that part. I won't say what it is yet, but I much prefer the For movie. Sure. We'll, we'll talk about that. For that. Uh, there's also a character named Achilles, which they don't really, Mm-mm. at least I don't really remember this character being talked about in the movie, or or maybe there is a character, there is a character in the movie that I think they sort of took the idea of this, but essentially Achilles is a, a former lover of Andy who is a human. He's not an immortal and he's a slave from the revolutionary war who actually fought with the British to gain his freedom. And he goes to London after because the British lose the war. And then because he ends up uh, getting arrested, uh, he gets sent to Australia as a criminal and escapes and then uh, Andy at that time is a bounty hunter hunting down escaped, you know, criminals and she finds him, but then ends up um, falling in love with him and essentially growing old with him, or at least he grows old. He gets old, he grows old and she doesn't. And then when he's really old, he's like, okay, you got to go. Cause people are going to start asking questions. Yeah, And she gets really um, mad, but she gets really mad because she knows he's right. Yeah. So, and, and they, it's told as a flashback in a conversation with Niall when Andy and Niall are talking about like, this is why you can't get close to people. Cause Niall's wrestling with her, you know, what she should say to her family and the comic. And, and there, there is a different relationship that Andy talks about somebody in the movie that, uh, you know, she watched him die and I can't remember what the character's name is, but, but I want to say some of that, that, that conversation was kind of taken, um, because I don't remember them talking about this character in the movie, um, or at least, you know, it, if it was, it was maybe it was cut out. Um, and then there are the bad guys. So there's kind of uh, three main characters, and one of them I'm sort of lumping in with the bad guys, but he's kind of bad guy, but then he's not a bad guy, which is uh, James Copley. And that is the person that hires them for the first job that the story focuses on. He's a kind of former intelligence, and he hires them, to rescue a group of uh, children, girls that have been um, kidnapped by terrorists in South Sudan, uh, in Africa. And, and that's what kind of gets the group back together after being uh, apart for a while. And it turns out to be a big ruse. And that's when you find out that they've been, they lured them there to try to capture them or to try to take advantage of them. And, um, and the, then you find out Copley is kind of working for Merrick. Uh, and Merrick is a big pharma egomaniac villain that states he's trying to help medical breakthroughs and he needs this technology because, you know, he wants to research for medicine and everything, but secretly he's just trying to gain the secret of immortality for himself and for money and for fame and everything. And I think Merrick in the book is way more villainous than oh, he was yeah. in the movie. He he is um, a he is out there in the book. He yeah, yeah. I mean, way more sadistic. Although I like his introduction in the movie. I think that's kind of fun. Um and we'll t- again we'll talk about it's hard to not talk about both. Yeah, but, we'll get there. Um but you know we're throwing little tidbits. Uh and then there's also a uh, the character it's worth noting uh Dr. Ivan um uh, who's also known as Dr. Meta Kozak. Uh, and Dr. Ivan is, uh, who's the one that kind of does the experiments on two of the old guard, uh, that are captured in the story. And, uh, he does have a moment where like at the end, they, <laughs> they, they essentially convince him like, well, you're really going to die when, when Andy gets here. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then he's like, Oh, okay. I'll free you. And then they end up killing him <laughs> because yeah. they hurt each other. So it's, it's, 
it's kind of a, you know, it's a fun character, but it, but he's, he's the one that kind of like, Oh, I really want to find out what's going on with them. And I want to find out what keeps them alive and immortal. But, but um, yeah, it's, it's fun. So that's kind of wrapping up all about the different comic aspects and the characters that, that are in this uh, mini series, the first mini series. Let's talk about, have a brief conversation about talking about uh, the pull list and if we have any grail find. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's, there's not much to talk about here. We got five issues from the original old guard series. And then we have the uh, old guard chapter two force multiplied mini series, which I believe was also five issues. And, and that came out in 2019. Yeah. Started late 2019, finished in 2020. And there's plan originally it was meant to be three mini series together. So we should be getting one more and that should be the final arc to this whole entire franchise. And as, was that the same creative team that did yep. the second one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's good. Um, the first issue you could read for free on the image website. It's gotten, you know, they, they're obviously promoting it pretty well because of the movie. So you can actually go to the image website and read the first issue. Um, if you have Comicspedia and or you have Amazon prime and, and you're have a Comicspedia through that, um, you can read, I think the first issue or two or, uh, through that. Um, otherwise you, it's definitely worth checking out if, if you want to get the collected first arc, I think it's a really fun run. Um, and as far as grail finds, I don't actually own any of the issues, but, um, do, did you have any of them, Lance? Yeah, I, I have the first two issues of the second series just because I, I loved the movie so much. I immediately wanted to get my hands on some of these books, but the first series have jumped in value. So I, I was able to snag the beginning of the second <laughs> volume. Yeah. It's, if you find any of the comics themselves, uh, I definitely would pick them up because as, the movie gets more popular. It's, you know, it might win some awards when award season starts happening and, and, um, you know, for action, for, you know, special effects, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. You don't think that we're, they're going to get nominated for best I actor. Mean, you know, it's, there's some pretty good acting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to take a little break and we'll let everybody, if you haven't watched the movie, go watch the movie and then come back after the break. And uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the movie as soon as we get back. After a delightful word from one of our podcast affiliates and friends. Hey, why don't you listen to the Never A Straight Answer podcast? It's the podcast that aims to cover a wide range of topics from conspiracy theories to popular culture and news. I'm your host, Gaz, and joined each week, it's my co-host, Mr. Taylor. Well, hey, we look at strange happenings that go on around your area and a little segment we like to call What's Fucked Up Where You're From? Plus, we cover the big topics like cryptids, the Mothman, poltergeist, secret Nazi space programs, UFOs, close encounters, glitches in the Matrix, flat earth, time travel, plus so much more. We even have the occasional guest. Also, we've got international news, global affairs, including space. Space and beyond. So why not check out the Never A Straight Answer podcast? We're available on all podcast platforms from iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Or you can visit the website at neverastraightanswer.co.uk. I've been Gaz. I've been Taylor. Peace. Ow. Hey, Lance, you know, the best way to support us is leaving a rating and review. A five star rating goes a long way on Apple Podcasts and other podcast services. And a review about what you liked in the issue does so much more. We hope you enjoy the show as much as we love making it. And if you want to check us out on Twitter at CBKCast, use the hashtag CBKCast with your what if ideas or any questions or comments about anything we discuss in the show. We're also on Instagram at CBKCast. We're on Facebook now and you can join our Facebook group and Facebook page and ask any questions that you want there or talk about what uh, you'd like us to talk about uh, in the future. Comic Book Keepers is hosted by the Geekly Grind. Stop by the Geekly Grind for all things geeky from comics, anime and manga to board games, video games, RPGs and more. Take a break from your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind.
And don't forget to check out the composer of our theme song, Arcane Anthems. Our good friend Weston makes royalty-free music for tabletop role-playing games, campaigns, streams, and podcasts. Check out his amazing work at Arcane Anthems on TikTok, Twitter, and you can actually get all of his available music for free on his Patreon at Arcane Anthems. All right, let's get back to the issue. Wheels up on your right. Who are you? Andromachita Sithian. But you can call me Andy. The big impetus for doing this issue was that we watched this movie. I think both of us watched this and we were like, this movie's yeah, freaking amazing. This movie was um, incredible. We should talk. We should read the comic. <laughs> and I think this could arguably want to be one of those movies that the movie could be better than the comic. Although I would argue that there are some really good things in the comic that are better than the movie. And there are some things in the movie that are better than the comic. So we'll, we'll kind of talk about pros and cons. But first, let's just find out about the movie adaptation. Uh, 2020 adaptation was directed by Gina Prince Blythewood, who happens to be with this movie, the first black woman to direct a big budget comic book adaptation movie. So nice. that's awesome. Um, and uh, I, I, I want to say, I forget what she directed beforehand, but um, yeah, it, it wasn't the obvious choice from her previous movies, but it's like, Oh, that's, that's really cool that they, that they tapped her for directing this or is it she fought for that? So um, the cast includes uh, notably Charlize Theron, who plays Andy and Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, who plays Copley. And I, I love Chiwetel Ejiofor. I, I think he was amazing in Dr. Strange. Mm-hmm. I think he was amazing in 12 years of a slave. Um, I, he was in the fight uh, the, uh, not the firefly, the serenity movie as the sort of bad guy in that. And, um, that's kind of where I first saw him. And, and he's been in a lot of other parts here and there. And just, he was in, um, one of my favorite movies, the Martian, uh, yes, and, so and good. one of the characters in that. And so like, he's such a good actor and so solid. And, and when I saw him, I was just like, Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, he's great. Um, everybody else in the movie is fairly new or, or unknown. I, I don't want to say they're new, but like they're not really big names. So it's kind of cool to see some of these other, you know, actors get, get some screen time and, in, in, in a cool sci-fi yeah. kind of uh, superhero movie. Yeah. And they all, uh, you have Kiki Lane. Yeah. Kiki Lane plays Niall, who has a really big part, um, kind of a newcomer, uh, Matthias, and I'm going to say this name, uh, Sean arts, uh, plays Booker, uh, Marwan Kinzari plays Joe, Luca Marinelli plays Nikki and Harry Melling plays Merrick. Now, Harry Melling, if you don't recognize the name, uh, was also Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter franchise. Mm-hmm. So when you see Merrick and he turns around, he's wearing this little headpiece and he's talking about his, you know, drugs and everything. And I'm like, who is that? Uh, <laughs> and I was like, kind of, I, he's that kind face of, looks so familiar. Yeah. It, it, it def- I recognized his voice before I recognized him and I had to look it up because you know he's lost some weight and he's grown up and he has a different look and I was like that's Dudley mm-hmm. <laughs> I had the same exact reaction except I didn't catch it from the voice at all I just looked up on IMDB and then clicked and I was like who is this guy then immediately yeah. popped up pictures of Dudley Dursley and I was like oh my gosh so so, uh, so in my head I was like oh Dudley grew up to be the head of a big farm pharma company and mm-hmm. and now he's this yeah. big jerk <laughs> and and he you know he's kind of gets what's coming to him but but yeah really fun part for him and he plays it really well he does and apparently Netflix loves him because he was also in uh the Queen's Gambit oh is he yeah he's in there <laughs> too so he's a uh, he's all over I Netflix just started now. watching that it's so good okay that's good well good for him Good for Dudley. Um, the movie itself is has received fairly well. It got 80% of, on Rotten Tomatoes and 70 out of 100 on Metacritic. It's been praised for action sequences, um, having a really fun and open cast, uh, and particularly notable for having openly LGBT superheroes uh, got a lot of praise. Now, th- they were already that way uh, and presented that way in the comic, but you don't see a lot of movies where right off the bat, you just have these openly uh, gay characters, which are, which if you haven't read it, it's uh, uh, Nikki and Joe. Um, and it, and the fact that they are LGBT, like it's not, doesn't make them a better superhero. It's just, they 
they just are. Um, and it's notable also that Greg Rucka stated in the contract that he wanted the scene of Nikki and Joe's uh, uh, conversation in the truck when they're being captured and this, the guards are kind of making fun of them like, oh, is that your boyfriend? <laughs> so one, one of them has this great mm-hmm. speech about this man is more than just my boyfriend. He's more than my husband. He's more than my lover. He's, he is everything, you know, he's my life and it's, it's beautiful. And it's, uh, it's just so deep and you just sense this whole, like, Oh my gosh, you know, like these guys are, uh, in the, the most intense relationship. Um, and, and it just, it just, it's a great moment. And, um, it shows that they're not just like these throwaway side characters. Like these are fully Im- embodied characters by these two guys. And they, they did a great job with it. And apart, so I thought that was cool. Yeah. And I will say, so spoiler warning for that scene in this movie, if you don't want that part spoiled. So there's that amazing dialogue where uh, one of them is, is telling the guards pretty much what their relationship means. And then it pans away for a bit. And then the truck arrives to the location it's supposed to be. And they open the back of the truck, and while handcuffed and chained down, the two of them have taken out every other person in the truck. So <laughs> it's just this like amazing like speech of like love and acceptance with one another and finding each other, and then juxtaposed by just demolishing everybody in the truck. I thought was yeah. really good dark humor, um, but also a <laughs> pretty pretty telling of of hey you probably should. Uh, not underestimate people don't hate on love it'll get you yep get you. <laughs> um so i made a list of of some pros and cons of the comic versus the movie and 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 we can just kind of talk about this so i think one thing that the comic did really well was it established a little bit more backstory from andy in the beginning um where where you know we've kind of talked about the art but you you do see a little bit more of little flashes of like how tired Andy is of, of going through the motions and and the comic does kind of a cool thing where it kind of shows panel after panel of her in previous battle gear throughout the centuries of just, you know, getting killed and going through lovers and going through, you know, wars. And, and, and that was kind of cool to see that. And, and you don't really see that in the, in the movie. Um, there's a great moment in the comic. I think it's in the fourth issue where, uh, they are trying to escape from oncoming guards and they uh, Andy and Niall and Booker jump out of a 34th floor, <laughs> uh-huh. which is not which is not in the movie. And they're like, you know, and, and Andy's like, you know, well, it'll be fine. We'll survive. You know, like we're, we're going to be OK. And then they, once they land and they're all kind of like coming back together and everything's broken you know, Niall's like, it feels like everything's broken. And she's like, that's because it is. <laughs> well, well like, in, the, in the movie. Well, oh, I actually worked. And, and yeah. he said, you said you've done this before. <laughs> yeah. In, in the movie, Niall does jump out of the building, though. She does. Yeah. I mean, she. but but I like that all of them. Yeah, uh-huh. I think that was kind of fun. And, it, and it's not like, it's not even like the last, you know, escape. It's It's like the second to last issue. So I thought that was kind of fun. I think Merrick and the comic is definitely more villainous. We've kind of talked about that. He, there's a scene where he actually stabs Joe and Nikki over and over again. He's like, Oh, I just, you know, of course you wanted to try this like this. He gets more into the fact he kind of owns the fact that he's like really trying to get the secret and he hates these people and he wants to take advantage of them. And you don't really see him embracing, you know, killing or, or trying to, see how it feels to kill these immortals. It, it kind of falls to the scientists to do that. So it, it's, it's a much different portrayal um, than you see of Merrick in the movie who ends up being kind of cowardly towards the end and lets the bodyguards do all the work. The comic also tells a, a little bit more about Andy's last love, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, Achilles and, and some of the other characters in her life. So, you know, th- those are some things I think that it does well. we mentioned about the arts kind of an acquired taste. You were mentioning that one of the things that bother you about the comic is that it ends very suddenly. Yeah, it is unbelievably abrupt. Like it, it ends similar to the film. There, there's one extra part in the film that kind of leads you into what's coming, but the comic literally just has this. Well, I think we can talk about it. It's, it's, it's when they're in Malta and the group is kind of talking about what to do with one of the members that, uh, has, 
betrayed them and, and but he's still around because they helped him you know defeat Merrick and and um and they're like okay we're gonna meet you in a hundred years you come back here and we'll see what happens and then and that's it that's it like that that's the last panel and in the movie there is another scene where they they actually go back to Copley and they're they're kind of like okay well wow you've done all this research and we're gonna help you and and you're gonna you know you're gonna work with us and and they kind of set up like a sequel of like, well, let's get to work. And it's this cool kind of like, OK, n- nice fade to black and, and let's go. And and that's a much better ending. And yeah, it, the comic ending was like, what? Yeah, it, it's <laughs> there's just kind of a flow that you normally have with comics where you obviously have like the lead in for the beginning. And then you tell the story and then there's a there's a big climactic ending and then you have kind of like the tail off. There is no tail off in this comic. It yeah. is here is what has happened. Boom, we're done. It, it's just a steep yeah. drop off that that you there, you end it with just like a couple frames. Yeah. There there was one other thing that that really bothered me about the comic which I think uh, it, and this is kind of just a nitpicky thing with there was a point at with Nikki and Joe who are captured. Um, by Merrick and his scientists, Dr. Ivan. And they're just kind of, they're strapped down to these tables. And at one point they're like, what's taking her so long? Ah, oh, this is amateur hour. Don't worry about it. And they kind of just lower the stakes with mm-hmm. just, they're like, well, we could get out and you know, it's not, it's not really going to make a difference. And they, they kind of know they're going to survive. Like they, they can't be killed and they kind of know it. And they're all kind of, they're all kind of acting like, well, eventually we're going to get you guys out and it's not a big deal. And, and I think, just having those lines and having that kind of attitude, it, it's sort of like, well, that that's not a great, you know, it doesn't, yeah. we don't have any investment at that point where I think in the movie, one major thing that happens, which they don't really do in the comic is that it shows that Andy is not healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that She gets shot at one point towards the end and she doesn't regenerate. And she's like, Oh, I'm, this is it. Like that. This is my last life and and Niall finds out that and you know I won't say whether she survives or not but uh but you know she uh it, it definitely changes the stakes and and I'm and I'm wondering if Rucka or the producers are like we got to change that because th- there wasn't really any like otherwise why do you care mm-hmm. if they're just if, if you know they're gonna live forever and they're fighting unpowered humans then why would you care but then the movie I think does that nicely where they're like oh wait a minute hold on something can be lost here. Yeah. And, um, and I think also in the movie, they do a little bit better about making you worried or scared every single time one of them is killed. Cause they, they play up that idea of, we never know when, when our time is going to be. And during this time period, when they're in this building, they're getting mowed down at certain times. And every single time you're like, wait, are they going to get up this time? Or is this going to be it for them? Yeah, there's a couple of good lines where it's like, oh, you better come back to me. Like, are you still with me? They they, they say certain things like they're generally concerned that they they might not be able to come back. They're a little bit more scared in, in the movie uh, of of dying, like they might not make it out, you know, whereas in the in the comic, they're a little bit more cocky about it, I yeah, guess. They kill each other just because. Yeah. So so I, I think they got the tone a little bit better with the film. Now, things that the movie does really well. I think they did a much better job with Niall just, you know, using her as a POV character. You know, it's not the most original thing we've we've had, you know, other characters in shows like that before where you have this character that kind of the audience learns about the group. I mean, if you look at the boys, you know, you have Huey that comes in and he he's kind of like this new character and part of the group and stuff. So it it's it's not new. We we've seen it many times before. Um, but I think they do a much better job in the movie using uh, telling about Niall and, 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 you know, giving her more of a backstory and in the comic, it's just, it's just lightly hinted at, but they, they definitely do more with her. The movie definitely has excellent mood and production value, not to say the comic doesn't, but it's, they just do a really good job. The action sequences are, are really fun. Uh, Copley, the, the villain in the movie um, or in the comic uh, the kind of agent that hires them has a much better backstory and they kind of flesh out this whole thing where he wants to team up with Merrick because his wife died of cancer and he wants to, you know, no, kind of mm-hmm. more notably like find out about this 
drug that he promises because he wants to help people, you know, not suffer because of that. So he actually has a noble cause and none of that's in the comic. They they just, I just want to work with you because. Yeah. I I didn't understand his character in the comic. Like he, he like turns on them and then he just changes again for like no reason. And then they're just kind of okay with each other. (laughs) Like his, his character direction didn't make any sense to me in the comic. Yeah, it was it was a little like, oh, well, why should it, you know, they they face him and uh at one point in the comic where they you know, Andy has him point blank with a gun and and he's like, well, she's like, "Why shouldn't I kill you right now?" and and he kind of is like, "Well, because I could still help and I know things." And and then she doesn't and then they get away and then you kind of see him later talking to Merrick. He's like, well, I quit. Bye. <laughs> that's that's kind of it. So I think, yeah, him in the comic definitely has a, a much better arc and, and the backstory and you kind of sympathize for him. So it's that's well done. So now let's talk about the character of Noriko, who, again, we it, it's just a side character. It's kind of a flashback thing. It's it's backstory for Andy, this character of Noriko, who is a former lover and, and another immortal. And in the in the comic is mentioned that she is a, a Japanese woman who gets washed out to sea and, and, you know, washed over boat. But in the, in the movie, a couple things happen. First of all, the, the actress that plays her is Vietnamese and they change her name to uh, Quinn and, uh, and they kind of honor that. She's like, Hey, I'm Vietnamese. I'm not Japanese. And then, so they get, Hey, no problem. We'll change it. So that's, that's good. Good for them. But the other thing about her character is that instead of just, she gets washed out to sea is that humans capture her and they put her, they, they kind of treat her as this witch, this abomination, um, with powers. They know that she can't die and they capture her and they put her in an iron maiden, which is this torture device, and, uh, you know, <laughs> with yeah, spikes inside and messed up. she gets thrown overboard and it's weighted down at the bottom of the ocean and she drowns over and over again for the rest of her life. Yeah. That, <laughs> and that that is way darker and mm-hmm. just awful to think about, uh, you know. Yeah. Now, I, I will say I haven't read the second series, so I don't know if in the first series, because it is kind of just like a throwaway mention of she is lost at sea, like she just goes overboard. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're going to talk about or if the Iron Maiden part comes into play in the second series and Andy yeah. just kind of brushes over it. But the movie, is, that that scene was dark because it was them being, it was her and Andy together and they're like, we'll get through anything together. It doesn't matter what they do, if they burn yeah. us, if they do this, that. And then they separate them and you're like, no. And then they bring the Iron Maiden and you're like, Oh no. And then they throw her in the ocean and and it's horrible because she, like you said, she just drowns over and over. But the problem yeah. is, is that Andy doesn't know what part of the ocean they dumped her in. So she can't even try to begin to find. Yeah. She her. wasn't on the boat. I've never felt sympathy and empathy for, for a character that had virtually no dialogue. Uh huh. You know, in a movie before, I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) like, and I don't even know this character, but I feel for Andy and I feel for her. And I was like, oh, this is so good. And then to top it all off, the post credit scene in the old guard is you see um, Quinn walking into a room and she's alive and it's like, okay, this is setting up this villain for the next movie after all of that. And so and she's clearly crazy yeah. oh like, and i i don't i don't just, care gone mad I, I don't care what she's trying to accomplish i'm on her side like i get it yeah like going through that kind of torture i don't blame her for anything so whatever she does in the next the next volume or the next movie that they do i don't judge her yeah so that so then it's kind of setting up this like highlander you know there can be only one kind of immortal versus immortal thing in the next book uh, which you know they're former lovers and and andy might not have her immortality so there's there's all these dynamics that are, sound really interesting for the next movie and i and i'm much more excited about the next movie than i am reading the second arc but um uh, there you go i mean uh, it just kind of shows like with adaptations how i think because greg rucka actually after the first 
I think I want to say like after the first two issues came out, they greenlit the movie. Mm -hmm. So he already knew writing the second arc or, you know, writing, going, working on this comic that this movie was coming out with the screenplay of the movie that he co-wrote was able to change some things and, and like tweak some things and make some things stronger. And I I think it shows because of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's one of those things that because Rucka co-wrote the screenplay, it's one of those things where even when we say we enjoy the adaptation better, the film better in certain parts, it's still, he's still attached to it. The creator is still attached and, and bringing those things to life, which is, which is nice to know. Um, just it's not like we're saying we like the movie better. Talking a bit down about the creator, no, the creator's still very much involved yeah. in the adaptation. So, kudos to them for being and, able and, to take that original concept and then enhance it even more. And there's a lot of things I like about the comic. I just true. there's a lot of things I like about the movie more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was one of those things that it caught me. Oh, well, it caught me off guard. Not trying to be cheeky about that but it 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 was one of those things where i heard about it and you're like yeah i'll check it out and the the visuals in that film are sensational the fighting choreography was fantastic the weird axe thing that andy uses looks super cool on screen the the scene where they initially are tricked into going and they all get shot up and when they're healing that scene is phenomenal it is one of the best mm-hmm. things that netflix has put together period yeah it's it's done in a way where it's not like it's not like cgi close-ups like they did with wolverine and some of the x-men movies where it's like let's show the cut slowly coming back together it's it's they're showing the characters and in the background and on the side of the focus is bullets are falling out of their skin and and they're healing up, but it's not like, that's not the focus. They're not showing some CGI skin grafting. And, and I, and I really appreciated that. I mean, I, I think you can only see, you know, the character of Wolverine, like, you know, pop out bullets out of his chest. If you, if, you know, so many times where you're like, okay, yeah. get cool. Uh-huh. But then, but yet this felt fresh of like, mm-hmm. wow, here's all these characters kind of like reforming their organs. And, it, it was that was yeah it was it was really neat and every time it happens i'm like oh man how how are they going to come back to life this time so i hope the x-men the, you know the mcu kind of learns from that when they have logan eventually show up and what what they can do with those kind of things i'm looking at you hulk versus wolverine side yes, stories please <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. Like that, <laughs> that that fight in, in Nepal. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, anyway. Hey, it's time for What If. What, what if? Each issue we do at Nerds Do Best, we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. Now, because the old guard takes takes a story about immortals or semi-immortals, I guess, technically, because they eventually will die. What, Chris, what hobby or activity would you want to do if you were immortal? Okay, so we're talking about immortality as kind of like a a boon that you can use to get really good at something or take advantage of time. You know, having a lot of time on your hands, which we all argue like we don't have a lot of time on our hands. I have two kids. They're constantly taking up time. I got work. I got all these side projects and I wish I had more time. And if I was immortal, I would get to do all those things that I want to do. And yeah, you know, let's, let's, let's be obvious and say we would obviously uh, invest in some stocks that would make us money over time really quickly. You know, we would learn several languages and stuff like that. Let's, let's assume that we're all going to do those things that take a long time. (laughs) Um, so what I would do put, putting that all past is I would, uh, first of all, one thing I would really love to do being an immortal is I would learn everything there is to know and go on jeopardy and, uh, make a lot of money <laughs> and just, and just mm-hmm. nail every question because yep. I've always wanted to go on jeopardy and having the time to study everything and get really good at it. Uh, I love just answering trivia questions. It's just fun. I would also get particularly good at one Olympic sport just so I could win a gold medal. 
Uh, I'm thinking archery because over time, depending on when I became immortal, you know, like you're always going to have bows and arrows. It's kind of fun, you know, because you can't get better at running. Like there's certain things you can't get better at. Like you get better, I guess, at like diving and stuff like that. But there's certain things that physical limitation. You're just, yeah, there's physical, like my body is not going to be a great long distance runner. It's just (laughs) because I'm not in that shape. And even if I was in that shape, I'm not in that shape. So, but, but archery you you're just standing still <laughs> and you gotta, you gotta have good aim and you can get better at that. So, and uh, there's archers out there. They're like, well, hold on a second, <laughs> but again, immortal, so I can work on it. Yeah. So I, that, 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 that was my two. I had one that's a little bit more criminal where it's like, you know, I want to memorize famous paintings and re- be able to recreate those on like the head of a pen and, and, you know, just like do like fun little tricks and stuff like that. But, uh-huh. um, that's more of just like novelty stuff. Like I could start an Etsy store of like really niche kind of things. And, uh, but yeah, mostly, mostly the, uh, is just like doing things I wouldn't have time to do like learning, learning an instrument and, you know, getting, getting an Olympic medal and stuff like that. I think that'd be fun. Nice. How about you? So, uh, my like first, my first initial thought was do kind of like a funny thing. So I would pose for a bunch of different like painters and artists and then, like, years later when the paintings are in museums, just, like, stand next to the painting and just wait for people to be like, oh, you kind of look like that person. I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but that, that kind of goes against the, like, you know, keeping a low profile because if they saw that and be like, wait, that's you. And but then, there's, like, 900 then, paintings that look exactly like Keanu Reeves, though. So there you go. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is say, wait, is Keanu Reeves immortal? <laughs> he is immortal. He hasn't he hasn't changed in 30 years. He's a vampire. <sighs> yeah. Well, well, he's also going to be in the MCU soon. So we'll talk about him, I'm sure, very soon. Anyway, uh, my the other one that I uh, kind of put a little bit more thought into was uh, kind of creating like an ultimate treasure hunt to like the scale of like, national treasure, but – even more to the extreme, kind of using time as part of the the treasure hunt. So things like yeah, like how can anyone set up this puzzle? You know, exactly. it's like it's all over the world. Taking too like it would take elaborate traps and everything. It's like one of those things where your your family, your, the generations in your family, need to continue on to the next step because in your lifetime you will not be able to complete it. Um, and I'm talking Gosh. I'm talking things like like grafting something into a young tree and then the tree grows. And so people are going to have to find that specific tree and cut it down and find the thing inside of the tree. And like, we're going, we're going all out. Like uncharted on hard mode. (laughs) Like I'm using, you have to figure out like which place the constellation was in certain time and a certain year and figuring out like what it's pointing to, to go to the next place. We're using just time as an element in every single part of this treasure hunt. And because I've been around for forever, the ending will actually be like awesome treasure and like the family or whoever finds it can use it for whatever they want. But in all honesty, it'd probably end up being like some corporation that found it. So maybe I won't leave a bunch of cool stuff. Maybe I'll just leave a note. Like (laughs) you probably should have spent your time on something more important. Um, so so now I'm so it's one of those two things. It's either awesome treasure or a note saying you probably should have done something different. But what if you were still alive because you're immortal and as you saw the people going after it, you could start customizing the clues. So if it was someone that you didn't like, you could like change something that they would find and you'd be like, Oh yeah, I go to this other thing and you'd have like like different paths, you know, like there'd be a path so, of so I make like things you could find I'm, people you didn't like, and then if it was someone you did like, then you could be like, oh yeah, go to this super easy. One. So I'm 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 essentially making like a choose your own adventure goosebump book and forcing yeah. people into the part where it's like you're done, it's the it's the end yeah. for you. <laughs> just literally yeah. just leaving a note somewhere and just be like, I don't like you, so but like specifically naming the mouse, like all right, Clarence. Mm-hmm. You're part of Big Pharma, so uh, I don't want you to get this. (laughs) Why don't you go to the cliff and try to go under the waterfall? It's like I've been sending you on like uh, red herrings for the last three years. So good luck figuring out where I I sent you off on this weird path. Yeah, could be a whole series. There you go. Netflix. Pick me up. Netflix. 
call Lance. He's got a pitch for you. <laughs> I mean, they're just throwing money at everything That's true. nowadays. So they can throw some our way too. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's time to close the book on the old guard. Those characters might be immortal, but this episode is not. So we have to we have to finish up. So until next time, this is Chris and Lance reminding you to keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. <laughs>